Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 146. This episode is with lead academy sports scientist at Swindon Town, Ollie Daglish. Ollie came on to talk about how to utilise internships from an intern's perspective. Maybe some things that you need to be aware of going into an internship, how you should be, how you should act, certain skills that you're looking to develop. We also spoke about how clubs can utilise interns better. So how to make that experience or improve that experience for an intern, get the most out of it from the club's perspective, but also the intern's perspective as well. We spoke about um, a pilot study that he'd done around speaking to coaches about what they want from interns. So he discussed some key skills and traits that came out of that study from what coaches want that are, that are at clubs already. And then we also touched on the current situation at Swindon at the time of recording, where um, due to a number of, of issues at the club, the under-18s, a lot of under-18s players were training with the first team, getting opportunities at first team level. And then what Ollie had uh, learned from that whole process in terms of how to make sure under 16, 17, 18 um, or 16, 17, 18-year-old players are ready to make the step up to first-team level. Um, so it was really interesting to chat with Ollie. I'm sure there's plenty of good stuff in this one, especially if you are um, on an internship, looking to do an internship, or even a club looking to offer internship. This is a must-listen, this podcast, because I think there's some really important points raised by Ollie. Um, so please, as always, give it a share. And not only share this one, but please tag in people that you think will take the most from it. There might be someone that stands out in mind at the moment that's that's possibly just come out of university, looking to get into football, maybe looking for that first opportunity on an internship or even someone that's currently on one. Tag them in it so um, they can give it a listen, hopefully take plenty away and maybe just optimise their time that they've got left um, on an internship as well. So please give it a share as always. And like I always say, please, um, if you haven't done so, head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review with a short comment on the podcast you've taken the most from, maybe the, the guests you enjoyed the most. Um, I really would appreciate that. We have got some very exciting announcements coming up in terms of our networking events and also our community as well. Um, nothing to bring you straight away, but they are coming very soon. So keep an eye out for those in the next few shows. But we'll dive into the podcast now, episode 146 with Oliver Daglish. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 146. I'm delighted to be joined today by Lead Academy Sports Scientist at Swindon Town, Ollie Daglish. Ollie, how are you? Hi, uh, uh, yeah, good, thanks. How are you? All good? Good, thank you, mate. All good. Um, I know we got, we're going to cover plenty today. And I don't know if you can tell, but I've got a fan blasting on me because we're going through this warm weather in the UK at the moment. So we're going to battle it out. If you see us both sweating, you know exactly why. <laughs> but do you want to just, um, we've just, I've just mentioned your role, Ollie, Lead Academy Sports Scientist at Swindon Town. Well, take us back, mate. Just take us through the career, what it's looked like so far that's led to that role. Yeah, no problem. So, um, I firstly sort of started off within sports science um, at Southern University doing, a, doing an undergraduate degree in applied sports science. Um, within that, I was on a sandwich course. So we had a placement between second and third year. Um, 
Now, at uni, I just tried to get as much experience as I possibly could. Um, I started off sort of going down the analysis route, but I really didn't enjoy it at all. Um, and then luckily, there was a there's an opening at uh, Southampton to do an internship there. So I applied and um, went through the, the interview process and was lucky enough to get a, get a placement there for, um, what was it, the 2017-2018 season. Um, so I worked with the under nines to 16s there for a whole season um, and then went back to university. Now, whilst I was at Southampton, I was able to uh, get a link at uh, Swindon Town Football Club, luckily. So throughout my third year, when I was back at university, I was able to, whenever I had a little break uh, here and then, I was able to work with the first team at Swindon as a volunteer. Um, and that led to some really, really good opportunities there. And then during my third year as well, I was also working as a strength and conditioning intern at, the, at Solent itself. So I worked with um, one sailor and two footballers there, uh, which again was a brilliant experience. And now currently I'm working at Swindon again, but employed as a, the Leeds Academy Sports Scientist. Um, and yeah, been there two years now and I'm currently doing my master's as well, which is due to um, due to finish at the end of next month. But yeah, really enjoying it. Perfect, mate. And we'll, we're going to dive into uh, the master's in a little bit. I know we've got a few things to cover um, around what you're doing for your master's, but we're going to talk about internships because you've just mentioned there that you've had experience on a couple of internships and I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen the other side of internships now in terms of being in your in your lead role at the club. So I wanted to go into detail on this because we had a chat the other day and you've got some great stuff that we can cover in terms of your experiences, but also how we can improve the whole process for both sides as well in terms of the club um, and the intern. So just to start with, obviously being at a club like Southampton, um, the academy and the players that have come through that, just from your point of view, your point of view as an intern at that point, what were some of the big positives for you and what were some of the big takeaways from that time? Obviously, at Southampton, this um, Catch of Your Run Academy. So the facilities there are absolutely brilliant. Um, and then couple with that with the people that work there, it's, it's, it was an unbelievable experience over that year. Um, now, my main taking for me was definitely to try and get out of your comfort zone. So within that experience as well, it's always amazing in hindsight when you can sort of look back at like previous experiences and stuff and you were like oh I could have done this better I could have done that better but ultimately in the moment um you don't necessarily think like that and you've got a different way of thinking so looking back I, I wish I did sort of push myself out of my comfort zone a bit more and really sort of try to apply things a bit better um because as an intern you do tend to yeah get carried away with oh this is nice like, I've got nice facilities I work with good people and you don't you sort of almost take it for granted. So hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, but yeah, for me, the main takings are like really trying to push yourself to go out of your comfort zone within these internships is one of the best ways to um, sort of keep improving, really. And in terms of looking at an internship, because we might have some listeners that are either on internships right now or potentially looking to do one or from the other side, which we will touch on in a little bit, maybe looking to offer interns at internships at a club. But in terms of utilising or maximising the opportunity that you get once you've landed that internship, what do you think are some key things looking back and reflecting that you either did or you would like to have done more of to make the most out of the opportunity? So things that I definitely think I could have done more of would, would take more notes. So literally treat every day as a learning experience. 
So taking notes as you go on different things that you learn from other practitioners and things that you do yourself. So when you are given the opportunities, actually writing things down and sort of reflecting upon it. So like looking back, reflective writing is one of the best things that you can do. I think uh, just to really sort of be like, right, I did that well. I didn't do that very well. And this is what I can do to actually improve upon this going forward. Because uh, that year in an internship or however long your internship is just goes so quickly and it's, it's over before you know it. Um, also as well, it's, it's don't be afraid to like ask questions going forward. So if there's something that you don't really understand, and there always will be, it's asking the question is, oh, why is that done? And knowing the sort of real reason behind it. So for example, like me personally, I'm someone that I have to know the reasons why to actually then apply it myself. Because if I'm not convinced in, in what I'm applying, then it, it can sometimes show in the sort of like putting it across. So for me, it's sort of de developing that sort of understanding of, right, this is what's done. And this is the, these are the reasons why. Um, and yeah, other than that, I think it's, yeah, as I previously mentioned, like getting out as far as the comfort zone as possible. Because there's that fine balance, isn't there, between being that intern that asks questions all the time for the sake of asking questions or being precise with the questions and, like you say, leading to a better understanding so you're then able to be more effective with what you're trying to do, isn't there? Because um, we, we probably all know or have seen interns that are in that position that coaches are getting sick of because they're asking questions every two seconds. But at the same time, we do need to, utilising that opportunity is really important, isn't it? And trying to learn from the people that you're working with, the coaches, the players, everyone around, and asking the right questions at the right time, I suppose. Yeah, 100%. I think sometimes um, interns or people going into in internships can sort of get a bit too comfortable and just try and breeze through and not really develop. So asking questions is one of the best ways to show the sort of practitioners you're working with as well that yeah I do enjoy this and this is something that I want to go forward with and I'm showing a keen interest in in developing really what do you reckon in terms of like um how an intern acts like by that I mean what may, what traits do you think that and I'm trying to not cross over because I want to talk from the club's point of view in a little bit as well so I'm trying to stay on the side of the intern for now but in from your experiences like how, what are some key characteristics that club might look at and think, oh, they're showing um, X, Y, and Z, which is really impressive from an intern's point of view. Um, and that's maybe where you'd point people to focus and show, show more of those traits. Is, is there anything that sort of stands out for you? Yeah, so for me, it's like we've, I've also got like anecdotal evidence where I've sort of, you, you speak to people in, in jobs and speak to people at other clubs, et cetera, but, for me as well, it's been a real interest of mine because I've looked back on on some internships and sort of realised my where I've gone wrong and sort of things I could do better. So for me, I really want to try and help things going forward and help uh, the process improve because, um, yeah, as I mentioned, like the process isn't necessarily perfect everywhere at the moment. Um, and I'm not trying to say that I, I know all the answers because I'm still young in my career and everything, but I just, this is something where I'm passionate about and I think, it's ultimately the internships are usually the the very start of someone's career so it's it's the foundation of everything that you're going to then go on and do so if you can get it right at the start then you can do even better going forwards so for me like talking to other practitioners and i've actually started to to look at this within um 
a study um, in a project at university and it's talking about the desirable skills of interns going forwards. So it's, I've currently done a pilot study, but it's been from the S&C coaches side of things. And the whole basis of the, the study is looking around what are the actual desirable skills of interns um, within football specifically, because like you, you talk to football coaches in the game, you talk to some players and they have a different perception from S&C coaches as well. But also within within football, SNC coaches obviously have a vision or an expectation of what they want to see from interns. So, like I've spoken to SNC coaches within this, uh, I've run sort of a pilot study so far, and the main takings from it that SNC coaches working within football, or the ones that I've spoken to at least, have really wanted like a willingness to learn. So that's one of the things that they highlighted. So this willingness to learn is is actually, well, like I mentioned before, it's asking those questions and really showing that you want to develop in this role. Um, other areas that they sort of looked into are around like adaptability. So can the SNC interns have this adaptability within the role? So are they able to then um, sort of chop and change things on the spot or for the, the future sessions, etc.? Other things that they've looked into are around being like having more of a, a personable character. So can they get on well with the players and the coaches? Because I do think that a lot of the, the main area that some people tend to not slip up on, but an area for improvement is that there's so much of a focus around theoretical knowledge at undergraduate level that you almost do forget that you're going into a multidisciplinary team. So you don't just need the theoretical knowledge. You also need to have these skills where you can communicate with players and staff members and get your point across. Because in some settings, the the SNC environment is still developing and it's, it's, it's sort of still its early stages. So you don't have a whole lot of buying from everyone. So how can you actually talk to these people and talk to these key stakeholders and communicate and actually build relationships with these people who don't necessarily think that um, that just look at your your role as a very small cog in the process. Um, and then other things from the from the sort of pilot study have looked at initiative as well. So can these interns come into a football club and actually show some so show some initiative going forwards? And then finally um, is in and around like confidence. So within football uh, SNC practitioners typically want confident individuals who can come in and deliver sessions and aren't necessarily too worried about gaining this like practical hands-on experience. That's really interesting because that, that's exactly what I was trying to get at, even though I asked the worst possible question and or worded it in the worst possible way. But I think those that you've covered there uh, are really, really interesting, aren't they? In terms of how the study w went about and the sort of feedback that you got from coaches, was the did the, did it lean towards an order of importance with those, or was that just sort of they were all the all the skills, the desirable skills that coaches wanted, and there wasn't necessarily an order? And if there wasn't, maybe what's your point of view on that? Do you think there are some more important than others? So I think so. Within the study, it was more just a general like what are the skills? It wasn't necessarily a hierarchy or, or order or anything, but. Um, for me and my experiences, 
So obviously I'm limited to Category 3 Academy in Swindon and Category 1 at Southampton. Um, from my experiences within those roles, it's it's been more of a, I do think it's more of the personable side of it. So being able to deal with different characters and build a relationships, because ultimately, if you don't build the relationships, you're not necessarily going to be able to have the buy-in and be able to implement things. It's, it's almost like, um, and I don't want to, it's not saying that if you get people on your side, you can sell them anything, but you do need that relationship there to, for the best outcomes, in my opinion. You've got um, a chance, haven't you, going forward if yeah. you've got that in place. And in the last podcast, um, Norbert, who was on the podcast, spoke, spoke about um, getting the buy-in from coaches by showing how good a player he was. And there's little things like that, isn't there, that you might come across that to earn that respect. I'm sure all coaches might have an example one way or another or of some way of maybe they've, bought, they've, they've got that buy-in um, or that confidence or that relationship with people from all sorts of different ways. But it is really, really important, isn't it? Because like you say, if you've got the knowledge, um, but without the personable sides or the, or the communication skills, it's pretty much... It, it, they're not going to meet up and you're not going to get the desired effect are you yeah, exactly and i do think i do think almost universities um can play quite a big role in that as well so one of the other sort of findings from that was looking about how can the universities actually sort of improve the um quality going forwards in terms of students uh, applying for the roles and three of the main things that that were sort of brought up were around like applied practice within university so within say physiology lessons can they learn the theoretical knowledge but then can they also apply that within say a lab setting in a practical or a, a more pitch-based session in a practical as well um, so that's one thing that was um, yeah brought forward and another thing was obviously can these students when they're at um, sort of undergraduate level or even postgraduate level can they do this do uh well gain experience within extra curricular sort of avenues so can they actually go above and beyond what the university is saying and really go forward and try to show look i've got this experience and i'm passionate about this going forward and then the final thing that they sort of mentioned regarding uh, the universities these practitioners with snc was it's vitally important for clubs to have like a good partnership with the university. So then there's a bit more sort of transparency between that. This is what the university want from it. And this is what the club want from it. And then ultimately what the student wants from it as well. Um, so obviously that's a bit more applicable for to like uh, placement near students and things like that, where they're still within the university. I've got to say, I've been giving a very special sneak preview of the upgrade currently happening on our online community. And I'm absolutely um, buzzing with the, the layout um, and everything that's coming in the next few months on the community. The content on there is, is absolutely first class. We've got loads of great presentations and webinars available on the community. But we've known for quite a long time that the setup and the structure needs to be better. And the guys that have been working on it for us have absolutely nailed it. I'm really excited to release it to our community members. If you're not already a member and you want to get involved, you can join the community and get a month free to check it out by going to footballfitfed.com and clicking the community tab and signing up there. It'll give you one month free on the community 
After that, it is only £4.99 per month, £4.99 per month going forward. Um, there's loads of great information on there, webinars, presentations, right across the world of football fitness, um, loads of great topics and subjects covered. And on top of all that, all community members get some discounts with some of our great partners, some brilliant companies involved as well. So go and check it out. If you're not already a member, go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab and sign up. If you are already a member, keep an eye out over the next few weeks because this upgrade is going to be big. I'm sure you'll absolutely love it. Um, I'm hoping that it'll be done in the next sort of four to six weeks as this podcast drops, but I'll keep you up to date on it. And uh, yeah, I cannot wait to get it out to our members. Let's dive into the second part of the podcast. Here is part two with Oli Daglish. Yeah, definitely. I was going to mention that actually as well, where you talked about going above and beyond and looking out for opportunities because we spoke on the phone a few days ago about it and we spoke about working for free and internships that you might have to pay for or that you don't get paid on. And there's a whole other debate around that. And I know we're not going to dive into that right now, but the way we put it or what we spoke about was that pretty much every practitioner arguably involved in any level of football have probably done some free work at some point, haven't they? Um, they've offered their skills and I was just looking actually at some of the, the skills that you mentioned in terms of adaptability, in terms of initiative, confidence, well, all of them, confidence. If you reach out to a, a different level of club, whether it's a semi-pro, an amateur level, they're all skills that you're going to develop by being in that environment, aren't they? The, the, the adaptability, because you might not have the best facilities or you might have to change the plan on a, on a, um, in the blink of an eye. Confidence, because you've suddenly got a big group of people that might not be buying into the, what you're trying to do, but you've got to try and develop it. That's the importance, isn't it, of going seeking that sort of work because the things you've mentioned are going to be progressed by going doing that sort of thing. Yeah, 100%. And I think especially for people who um, sort of learn by doing, that's one of the best ways to actually build that confidence because if you haven't delivered it before, or you haven't got experience in delivering it, then how, how are you going to build confidence within that environment? So yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah, brill. Um, yeah, the, the other thing we're going to talk about, so in terms of intern internships, we've spoke about from the intern's perspective, but I think it's also important to talk from the club's perspective, something that you might have had experience with being in your role um, and I'm sure many other people have set up internships at their roles. But from a club's perspective, like how do we optimize getting interns in? Because I'm sure some people have had experiences where they've got interns in and they, they maybe then gone on to employ them or that intern has gone on to other, other jobs. But I'm sure there's also the opposite where interns have been in and they've probably just been in the way and they've not really done much. So from your point of view or your experiences, from a club's point of view now, how do we optimise that process? So for me, I've, I've previously mentioned it just now, and it's, it's one of the first things uh, for me would be building that relationship with the, with the university because, A, you've then got a pool of students who you can sort of um, advertise to and you've got the sort of link there set up. And then within that, you can also have conversations with the university in terms of this is what we're looking for what are you looking for and can we sort of meet in the middle and sort of really help 
help uh, like develop a good experience for that for that student. Um, now, setting goals, I think, would also be a good thing in terms of sit once they once you actually do get get the person in that you've chosen. Can you sit down and help them set goals of right? This is what we want you to tick off during the placement or internship. What do you want to tick off? And then you can actually have something to work towards. And also for me, I think it's a it's a good way of allowing them to see a progression and how they can actually benefit from the process as well. Um, and then finally, I'd, I'd say sort of in and around. So a lot of the research that I've looked into or um, some of the points that have been raised and just from talking to other SNC coaches as well and uh, sort of being in intern myself is some people go into clubs and it's almost like a, a tick box exercise um, and they sometimes even just use them as like data monkeys. So they're just sat behind the, the laptop, filling out the acute chronic, um, filling out the GPS spreadsheets and things like that. And they're not actually getting any hand-on hands experience, which is ultimately what a lot of them do go in for. So for me, it's trying to, um, like, if you have that chat with them initially and set those goals, then you can understand that, look, they're not here to be data monkeys. They're here to actually have a purpose and um, sort of develop the more practical side of it, not just sitting behind a screen and being thrown away where they can't make any mistakes, if you know what I mean. Um, but for me, one of the big things is everyone makes mistakes. I've made mistakes in my past. I still make mistakes now. So not allowing an intern to make a mistake because you're worried that they might damage your reputation or the reputation of the department. I think you have to almost take it with a pinch of salt because everyone makes mistakes. And it's something that's going to help that intern going forward in terms of developing. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and when we talk, we're looking at again, we're looking at those skills that you mentioned. If we are just sitting interns behind a computer or we're just getting them to fill up water bottles or whatever the the tasks are, you're not getting any of those, are you? You're not developing any of those skills. And at the same time, you've probably experienced it as much as me and, and many of us out there. There are elements of an internship probably that you do do a bit of that as well. But as long as the whole experience is is good and that you are developing those skills, that I'm sure that's that's got to be the main thing, hasn't it? So yeah, I'm not necessarily saying um, just like don't like take away those jobs or don't give them those jobs necessarily. But I do think there's like a um, there can be sort of a, it can be met in the middle. So having these discussions with the interns uh, previously can sort of and setting these goals can show you right this is what they want to be doing so they might want this practical experience so yes fill fill all the water water bottles up do the load monitoring but maybe could you let them or could you give them the opportunity to get a bit more hands-on in the gym or maybe take one warm-up a week or one more warm-up a month or just some sort of agreement in in that sort of sense i think i think that'd be the best way going forwards yeah brill because that's that's what i was going to ask from Maybe from your point of view as being an intern now, um, was what do you think that you took the most from? So when you were put into these situations, maybe it was a warm-up, maybe it was in the gym, um, but where you were tested and where you were where you um, did develop some of these skills about being personable, adaptable, using your initiative, is there anything that sticks in your mind from your experiences on when you were like, oh, yeah, I had that warm-up and I had... 30 players suddenly to deal with and I had to get the most out of it. Is there anything that sort of jumps out? 
Yeah, I mean, there's it's little things like one you'll be you'll be taught at university and you'll be you'll be told by uh, sort of mentors and things about like oh follow a ramp protocol these this is what you've got to include in the warm up etc uh, etc et so sort of around the theoretical side again but then what you don't get taught necessarily is oh can you do the warm up off the pitch so for example uh, i've had like one one example would be so, so like put some really good detail into planning this warm up when i was going and i was like yeah this is going to be absolutely brilliant uh, absolutely brilliant warm up and this was uh, when i was with the first team actually swindon and I was like, right, I'm going to smash this warm up. I'm confident in it. Yeah, this one we're going to go well. But I set it up on the pitch, down the side of the pitch, but on the pitch. And the sort of gaffer came up to me and was like, well, he's actually really good to be fair. And he was like, well, you can't do it here. Like, you're going to have to, you're going to have to move it. Like, in the future, could you move it off? Now, luckily for me, that's the way he came about it. But there are um, there any other circumstances, and I'm sure it, it wouldn't have just been a nice sort of. Um, conversation it would have been a bit more um yeah a bit more aggy but that's that's just one example and it's just these little things where as you the only way you're going to necessarily learn it unless someone goes into really good detail for you is by doing and it's just these little mistakes which you will make but it helps you become a better practitioner going forward i'm sure loads of listeners are sort of reflecting on certain times that they've had um similar experiences because i think everyone does don't they in that internship and if you don't then i think you need to don't you you need to like you spoke about before about coming out your comfort zone and that's what that is isn't it when you put into that environment um if things don't go according to plan which you probably know better than anyone like in terms of day to day things change like plans don't always go like you had them planned so it's important to get the real life experience isn't it isn't it that um, yes, you did have something planned for the pitch, but now you've got to do it here. Or you might have had this many amount, this amount of players, and now you've got this amount of players. Or you've got an injury you've got to deal with, or whatever. Like these things come up all the time, don't they? I think uh, another another big one would be, which is a good example, is looking around periodization. So obviously, within an SNC degree or an SNC module, you'll learn about periodization and you'll learn how how to implement it, and then when you're actually in the environment, it's like, bam, straight out the window first day. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's another whole topic which you could talk on for, for hours. And um, I know you have before anyway, so. Yeah, yeah. And I always reflect on the, the episode with Tom Little on that one um, at Preston, because he's he spoke about that in great detail. So if, if anyone's not listening to that one, go and listen to that, because he touches on that about managing the microcycle, how things just change, like literally at the drop of a hat. So um no, that's quality. The other thing we were going to touch on, Ollie, without going into too much detail about the club, obviously, because we don't want to, we don't want to talk about that. But there's a challenging situation, or there has been a challenging situation at the club recently, as well as many other clubs across the football league. Um, but to put a positive on a on a challenging period, when we were speaking the other day, you you were talking about there being a lot more opportunities for players. Um, with, with the situation at the club and then also some of the takeaways that you've taken from players that potentially wouldn't have had the opportunities that they've had, um, getting that opportunity and then you looking at it and learning from it. So do you want to just give a bit of a, an overview, not on the situation, but just from your point of view, what's, what's sort of gone on and then what are the, what are the challenges for you at the moment? 
so at the moment you've got to look at everything in in a positive light and one of the one of the main benefits of recent happenings is that our 18s of so the youth team have been able to train with the first team over this pre-season period because we sort of we merged merged the two squads together um and obviously for some of the lads they've had to jump from under 16 so the first year scholars that we've got at the moment have jumped had to jump from under 16s where you're training twice a week playing once a week on an average week to a first team environment where it's pre-season it's one of the hardest it's the hardest bit of the season you're getting shouted at you're you're having to really push the physical boundaries and it's, it's a big jump up for the lads but yeah so but this experience has been really really beneficial for us and um, seeing some of the lads come in and actually thrive in, in that area as well has been really uh, satisfying to see. Um, so, yeah, our outputs have, have been managed um, from from both sort of teams of staff and it's, it's gone really well so far. At the moment, it's been unfortunate because um, myself and, and uh, some of the teams are in isolation. So that's thrown a bit of a spanner in the works, as I'm sure it has at many clubs at this current moment in time. But um, other than that, yeah, it's been really beneficial, even though the circumstances aren't the best, um, but we've been able to take positives from it 100%. Um, so it's even things like being able to, just being in and around the first environment on a day-to-day basis with, with the 18s. And also the 18s have been fielded in um, sort of quite a lot of the, the pre-season games that we've had so far. And it's been a, it's been a great experience with, with plenty of positives to take for the lads 100%. I know you've presented on this before, but in terms of that transition from 18s to first team, and it might have been sort of sped up a little bit for certain players at this point at the club, but what um, the physicality side of the game at that age, we, we probably all know 16, 17, 18-year-olds that are such a, a vast range of, of um, physical attributes at that age. And like you say, going into games against, against men, um, against experienced players, it, it teaches them a lot, doesn't it? Um, so, what what are some takeaways from you, and maybe how what does it make you reflect on in terms of your practice, and maybe how you change things, or what you focus on a little bit more with pre- uh, preparing them for first team level? Yeah, so for me, obviously that that jump from 16s to first team is one hell of a jump um, at the best of times. So. Um, but on average, I th- the lads have they've actually coped quite well. But the, the main difference that we're looking at is in things such as high speed distance, for example. So the high speed distance that, that uh, the under 18s cover is typically not very close to what they would in the first team. So you could make arguments for a slower pace in the under 18s level, um, less of a physical requirement in that aspect. Um, so it's trying to trying to build them up and prepare them for that environment, which is like one of my main philosophies now because we need them to not if if this situation does happen we don't need them to just be able to tolerate it but also thrive in that environment because at category three you don't have an under 23s you don't you can't you don't have a next step to sort of bridge the gap it's either 18s football or first team so you really have to try and prepare them for those physical outputs um and one it's one of the things that's so i've been yeah fortunate to present um, some of the work from uh, so Louis Langdown at Solent University. He's um, he works within um, a company called the, the Football Family. So he sort of he uh, works very closely with um, sort of 
individuals within football. So he's got an extensive background within football that he does. And he's done some really good work with the football family. And one of those studies is looking around sort of deselection within scholars and when they do go through that process. And one of the things that he, he sort of found from speaking to these old scholars and um, ex-pros is that one, well, one of the key findings that I, I took from it anyway was that these scholars that didn't necessarily get selected or, or ex-pros that he's spoken to um, wanted sort of a better exposure to non-league football environments when they're at the academy level because some of them who uh, were deselected or, or released went on to play sort of in the non-league setting and they found that the, the, even the non-league setting was was quite um, more physical than the academy setup that they were in. So for me, it almost this experience as well really sort of has been an eye-opener for me because I'm now looking at it as the lads have gone into this environment, the majority have coped pretty well, they're enjoying it, and it, it is what they want. So for me, going forwards, I'm definitely going to rethink things in terms of speaking to other coaches and speaking to academy directors and speaking to other um, staff members at the club and trying to push um, push this going forwards because it's been an experience where they've they've coped they've some of them have thrived um, like don't get me wrong it's not it's not um, you've got to take it step by step for each individual because some of them coming up are going to struggle but as long as you've got the right processes involved I don't see how that that can't be a, a really beneficial thing going forwards. Yeah, it brings up what I spoke about John um, with John Goodwin is performance uh, versus development again, doesn't it? Because I suppose from a coach's point of view at the club, they might want to keep people together to work on um, developing the team. But then at the same time, like you're saying, to develop that individual and prepare them for that, that jump, essentially, from 18s to first team to get that exposure and that experience. And I suppose it's like what we were talking about with the interns, isn't it, before? Um, this is a playing internship, I suppose, isn't it, to go out on loan and and develop those skills that are going to get them ready for, for that first-team environment. Yeah, 100%. And I think I think it's almost like there, there is no real perfect answer either, is there? Because obviously, from a club's point of view, you might want to keep them within the club, in the academy process, because... You want the values and the, the playing style to be worked upon. Um, so there, there is a sort, there are pros and cons for everything. Um, but yeah, as long as you make an informed decision on, on what the right process is for your academy, um, that's the main thing, isn't it? I guess. And I think if you look, like I know there's a lot of um, talk around the England team and their experiences, like previously, and you look at the loans that they've had and the clubs they've been at at the lower level, like there's a lot of development that goes on there, isn't there, for the long-term future. So it, it is just focusing on that development side, whether it is a 16-year-old, 17-year-old, or even in early 20s, like there's, there's continually that development going on, isn't there? And we have to keep backing that. And again, it comes down to sort of managing the individual within the team, I suppose, doesn't it? If they need that exposure to men's football, um, it's increased physicality, then... Maybe that is the time to to act, but I know at the same time there's a lot of decision makers that go into that process, and it's not a case of you just turning around and saying we need to send these players out on loan. It happening, so it's it's just knowing the the situation, I suppose, isn't it? And again, developing those relationships to have the conversations. 
100%. And it's not like, um, I'm not trying to sort of be like, oh, this is what we should do like, and try and force it down th people's throats as such. But it's like within SNC, we've obviously got to play a, some part of the uh, process in terms of advising and recommending. And I think from these experiences, my philosophy would be going forward, like, can we at least look at, um, I mean, it doesn't have to be sending out on loan, loan, for example. It can even be simple things like every time, every now and then when there's a, a break in games or even within pre-season, could you get more fixtures against um, sort of adult teams and things like that? It's, there's there's many ways you can look at it. and um, But this is this experience has definitely opened my eyes a lot more, a lot more. Yeah, and it's always interesting, isn't it, when clubs go through challenging times like this, that you do have to flip it and take the positives because I'm sure the players have, like the, the opportunities that the players will get um, might not have come around otherwise. And we spoke about a few other clubs on the phone, like there's, it's going on quite a lot. So for practitioners, we, we've got to understand that, haven't we? And just just reflect on it like we spoke about before. Um Ollie, we'll, we'll wrap it up with some of the, the quick-fire questions we finished the podcast with because I think we covered some good stuff in there. The first one being, uh, who were some of the biggest influences on your career so far? So, I mean, I could reel off a list of so many people because, honestly, I've, I've built some really... I've made some really good um, connections and, and found so many people beneficial throughout. Um, I think outside of s &C, it's... It's most likely going to be um, our old academy manager at Swindon, um, so Alan McLaughlin. Now, unfortunately, he's no longer with us, um, but I can categorically say that he drove my standards through the roof. Um, I was quite naive coming in um, into, into this role, and he really sort of helped me see the overall picture and completely drive my standards through the roof. Um, so 100% um, Alan, yeah. And then Seamus Brady as well, uh, our academy director. Uh, he's he's been really good, to sort of helped me with more of the, like the logistical side. So as I mentioned before, like not just having the theoretical knowledge, but can I apply it and sort of take on board uh, different opinions and different ways of doing things, which I might not necessarily have seen from an SNC point of view. Uh, so he's been absolutely brilliant as well. Um, within SNC uh, at Southampton, Sam Scott was probably one of the most uh, knowledgeable practitioners I think I've worked with um, and that's not detrimental to anyone else I worked with it's just that he was uh, someone that I really you, I'd have a conversation with him and I'd just be amazed by some of the things that he was saying I was just really yeah blown away um, and then just two more sorry <laughs> it's within SNC as well it's going to be Jack Deeman I worked with him at Swindon he was um, in my role before me and then went up to the first team with him, it's been absolutely brilliant because uh, I've seen him as a friend and we, it's bouncing ideas off each other. That's been the best thing. Now, I learn best when I've sort of, sort of got someone to, to bounce off of and he was unbelievable with me um, when he was at the club. And finally, Scott Peacock. Uh, luckily, I've been able to work with Scott from university all the way through um to now and we're just we're just good pals and again it's exactly the same situation where it's just bouncing ideas off each other meeting up having chats and for me that's that's one of the best things about sort of uh maintaining my passion for the role because i've got people to bounce ideas off basically oh, i always realize that that is quite a hard question to narrow it down because i'm sure there's there's plenty of us as well so i appreciate oh, that tons 
Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It is tough, but that, that's how it should be as well, isn't it? You should, um, through networking, through working in different positions and putting yourself out there, there should be plenty of contacts that you should be able to bring up. Um, the next one, mate, what would you say your, when we talked about skills before, what would you say your biggest skill or biggest strength is as a practitioner? Um, so I definitely say my, my passion, like as I've uh, got more and more experience with SNC in, in particularly in football, I've like, I've just got more passion. So each year I just, I just find I, I enjoy the job more and, and going forwards, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to always talk about it. I want to like really push myself to get better. And yeah, for me, it's, it's probably my passion, I'd say. Brilliant. And then um, next up, I always ask about CPD because I always think this is quite a nice time. If people haven't seen certain courses, articles, podcasts, whatever, it's quite a nice way of just directing people just to give them a little bit more information. So is there anything that you've been reading recently? Is there any courses that you've done? Anything that sort of stands out for you that is in, you feel that has improved your practice? Yeah, it's obviously um, pre-COVID, I, I really enjoyed your network meetings. So going to them was... Uh, like such a beneficial experience like just seeing like within sort of um academies where like category three academies for example you don't have a huge setup in terms of snc sports science so um being able to have those conversations with people at events such as yours is just perfect because you can bounce those ideas off as, as i've spoken about um on other terms i think over lockdown i did the exos uh, qualification now that was perfect for lockdown because I was just sat at home the majority of the time. So being able to just watch the videos and like work on little bits in, in your living room where you're practicing the, the movements and like a skips and different variations, the pop skip float that they have and stuff like that. Uh, brilliant. And then finally, I'd probably say uh, Basie's um, supervised experience uh, journey. So I'm still in my first year in it, but honestly, in terms of, how much it actually gets you to think about everything that you apply. It just, it's really beneficial. And that's where as well, like you have to do a lot of reflective work and um, yeah, it just makes you think about what you're doing a lot more. Brilliant, mate. And I advise people to go and check those out. And I didn't pay Ollie for, well, not yet anyway, to mention the networking events, but I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, Exos, Basies, like I'm, I think a few have mentioned that before and obviously really beneficial, but Oh, this has been brilliant. I think um, especially focusing around the internship process from both practitioner or intern and then club side is, is really important that we focus on that. So I hope people have taken plenty away, but also just your experiences recently at the club and, and what you've taken away from a tough um, situation, but we can always learn from those situations, can't we? So um, your mindset is sounds like spot on around approaching challenges and stuff. So I appreciate you coming on discussing all that. In terms of if people wanted to reach out to you, mate, if they've got questions or they wanted to get into a conversation about anything that we spoke about, where would you direct anyone? Um, so anywhere from sort of LinkedIn, uh, so literally Oliver Daglish on LinkedIn, um, or you can get hold of me on Twitter. Uh, oh, my handle, I think, is odaglish19, I believe. Um, but yeah, that would be two best places. Perfect, mate. Well, thank you very much for your time. Cheers for coming on. And uh, I know you've only got a few days left of isolation, so I hope you're not completing Netflix just yet. 
<laughs> but yeah, all the best when you get back to the club, hopefully next week or whenever it is, you can get back out um, with the lads and best of luck for the, the season ahead as well. Yeah, lovely. Thanks so much for having me. Cheers for that. Cheers, Ollie. Cheers, see you later. Huge thank you to Ollie for coming on the podcast. Ollie's someone that I've actually met at our, uh, a number of our networking events, like he mentioned towards the end of the podcast. Um, always really welcoming and easy to chat to. And he always gets involved in the task that we set um, and, and develops his network. And that's why he's, he's had the opportunities that he's had so far. So it was great to get him on the podcast and have a chat. You can go and give Ollie a follow on Twitter at O Daglish, so D-A-G-L-I-S-H, and then the number 19 on the end. Or like he said, you can um, give him a follow or link up with him on LinkedIn as well. Um, in terms of takeaways, I think this was a really important podcast and really important topics to discuss. He spoke really early on about getting out of your comfort zone, but then we sort of expanded on that through the podcast as well. He said, every day is a learning experience. And I think that's really important for anyone towards the start of the career that maybe get some of these opportunities in terms of internships or experience at clubs. Every day is a learning experience. You might feel like you're not taking things from certain days, but there are there is plenty to learn all the time. Some things don't go according to plan. Some things you have to adapt and overcome, um, but you'll be learning all along as well. He spoke about reflective writing, reflecting on your experiences as well, which is really important. And then the in terms of his pilot study, I think that the pointers that he raised from that in terms of what coaches want from interns, and I'll repeat them now, a willingness to learn, adaptability, being personable, showing initiative, and also showing confidence. And these are real key skills to develop, not only at intern level, but right the way through your career. Um, and just making sure, I suppose, question the fact of, do you do, do you um, have those skills? Are they something that you need to develop? And if there's certain skills you need to develop more than others, are there things that you can do within your career to put you in situations that will develop them? Um, so really, really good stuff from Ollie in that sense. And then he also spoke about um, improving the process from the club's point of view. And adding some goal setting for interns. So speaking to interns, speaking to the club, finding out what both sides want and setting goals and targets for that as well. So not just going through the process and using it as a tick box exercise, but actually setting targets, um, mutual targets and working towards hitting them as well. So some brilliant stuff in there from Ollie. And a big thank you as always for listening to the podcast. I appreciate everyone's support. Please give it a share. Like I said at the start, tag in people that you think it'll be relevant to, especially anyone that's looking to do or is currently on a, on an internship um, or anyone maybe at a club that are looking to set internships up at their club as well. Please tag them in it, give it a share. And yeah, we'll speak to you again next week in episode 147.